0: to make things like this easier.
1: I'm reading.
0: And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing?
1: Have fun together. Did I do good, Daddy?
0: (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello, and welcome to Homeschool Together podcast. Today, we're going to be having part two of the Am I doing enough series? And this it's an important the, question. It is a very important question. It's our final um, episode. We kind of did a little part two-parter here based on this common question that we kept seeing coming on Facebook groups and on Reddit and this and that of am I doing enough? And we're trying to answer that question. Today we're going to tackle the first, second, and third grade as kind of one mega unit. We did kindergarten in the last episode. So if you're interested in that, head back, listen to that episode, and then come and join us for this one. Um, Before we want to do that, we want to thank everybody who has been joining us on our Facebook group, who has been following us on Instagram, and we want to thank those wonderful people who have left us reviews on iTunes for the podcast. So today, we're going to be tackling the second half of the Am I Doing Enough series. We're going to target the first grade, second grade, and third grade years um, and Ariel, why did we do that? Why did we bundle these years?
1: So you know, we have a child right now that we are doing, we're doing—we're doing some kinder curriculum with, mm-hmm. and we're you know doing some pre-K. But we're planning the kinder, so we felt we could talk pretty confidently about what our day looks like against a, a kindergarten day in public school. But because we're not quite at this level yet, we wanted to just tackle all of early elementary. And what we're going to do is just compare that against. Uh, compare what a public school would do for those three years against what uh, the curriculum that we could purchase and we plan to use for for those years would be, and and see how that kind of mashes up.
0: So as we said before in the last podcast, you know Ariel and I, you know, done some good research here on what these school days look like in the public schools, but obviously your mileage may vary. Different public schools may have different priorities. Obviously, some states don't have Common Core. And again, for the international listeners, we will be focusing on US based public education, um, but there may be a lot of applicability to your location. I'm sure there is. Yeah, you may, you'll, you'll I think it's enough to take home, you know, a lot of learning on, on your end as well. Um, so, you know, we wanted to make sure that, you know, there's different states, different standards. Obviously, if you go back to our earlier podcast, we talk about a lot of those standards and a lot of the differences between each state. But, you know, this is a good average. Again, so if somebody can nitpick and say, oh, we don't exactly do that. Well, obviously, but this mm-hmm. is a good uh, snapshot of what an early elementary year looks like. First of all, how long are they in school?
1: Yeah, so students are in school anywhere from six and three quarter to seven and a quarter hours, somewhere in there, depending on the district and, and the age.
0: In the last podcast, we talked about kindergarten as a full day, but we do know there's half day kindergarten out there, mm-hmm. um, but we did focus on full day, and so there'd be a nice good comparison to you know, a full day kindergarten now, F- obviously full day, first grade, second grade, third grade.
1: Right. And I was pretty surprised, honestly, I, I don't, I don't know about you, Matthew, but I, my kinder, I remember just a lot of, uh I don't know, a lot of story time, lots of crafts, lots of art and, and different games we play and extra recesses and things. I was frankly very surprised mm-hmm. how much the first, second and third grade look Kind of like kindergarten.
0: I don't really remember a lot of my kindergarten years. Like I don't remember the earlier college years. So it, it was a lot of partying. There was a lot of glue, and you know maybe some arts and crafts. But you know it's kind of foggy, a little bit foggy for me.
1: Yeah, it's been a while for us, but I, I still, I was just surprised. I yeah. guess I expected there to be more play and 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 play adjacent to things, fun, mm-hmm. crafty, you know that kind of stuff in kinder. And then for us to move into more academics as we got into this early elementary years.
0: well, And we did see them, you know, they they have all the levers in their classroom. We did see by the time they got into third grade, you could start seeing things change. And we'll go into those details where they're starting to get into more of those traditional, you know, okay, we're going to do math. We're going to do some science. We're going to do some history. We started Mm -hmm. to see that towards the third grade. And I would imagine if we go to fourth, fifth, and sixth, that would be a little bit more of a dramatic and then in some schools, if I remember um, back in my elementary days, a lot of times we had two classrooms for like third grade and fourth grade and fifth grade. And a lot of those classrooms would switch. Some teacher would specialize in certain subject. Another would specialize mm-hmm. in another. And they kind of shared those duties. I really remember that in fifth grade when I had my first two male teachers, which <laughs> was all women all the way up to fifth grade. But I remember Mr. Kuzno and Mr. Maricola. <laughs> I'll never forget them. First guys I ever saw, taught, ever taught me. But I remember they, we kind of had these adjoined rooms that were separated by the divider. They would then remove the dividers for certain subjects. So we start to see that here in the third grade. And we'll kind of go into those details where they start to bring on kind of those traditional specialty lectures that are like centered around history and things of that nature
1: yeah i was just kind of surprised how similarly academic we talked about kindergarten basically being like aside from a small section of specials being basically you know two-thirds reading writing and a third math and it's kind of exactly the same as we go up through through this i was just i guess i was surprised i expected a bigger shift uh and it really is much more the same, which I think is all part of Common Core. So for our international listeners, Common Core uh, is a, a standard in the United States that is focused on reading, writing, and math, and trying to make sure that everyone is at a common understanding of that. And it basically, it's been adopted in 40 of the 50 states. So it basically dictates now the way that each grade is taught for the most part.
0: And, and more importantly, that so many states are you know using Common Core it also sets the curriculums that are available. Mm-hmm. So all of the curriculum manufacturers and all the curriculum companies design to that core curriculum, right? You know, they're not going to be designing multiple types of curriculum. So even if you in, are in a state that maybe doesn't have common core as the, the dictate, you're probably still using common core curriculum. You don't even know it.
1: Yeah. I mean, you may not be using common core math, for example, which is the one that everyone loves to hate, yeah, right. um, which as engineers, we also would kind of go with that. But, uh, but I'm sure the Common Core English and writing. I'm sure. I'm sure you're correct about that.
0: So let's get into the breakdown. So again, this is for we will we will call out specific differences for different grades, um, but we'll just give a basic snapshot on the breakdown. So the first one that's probably the most important is the reading. Um, we saw this in the kindergarten uh, breakout. It is the most important thing, I think. You know, from their focus, reading is that gateway. It, it allows them, and I, I would almost, if I could imagine. What they're thinking is that if we can teach them to read, I can now then leverage the skill of reading into other subjects. So they don't even begin to broach those other subjects until the student can learn to read. Mm-hmm. And so reading is the most important. So what is the time breakdown and what, what, are, what are kids kind of doing in that time frame?
1: So as a whole class, there's anywhere, depending on the grade, between 40 and 80 minutes of whole class reading work where the teacher is up at the board or with the projector or using cards, teaching phonics, grammar, working on different words and pronunciations and that kind of stuff, spelling. It'd be something where the teacher is teaching the whole group of anywhere from 20 to 30 students in the class together. And then there are, uh, there's a certain amount of independent time and that includes, it's mostly activity time, honestly.
0: Is that similar to when the kindergartners would be, um, if we remember back to our last episode, the kindergartners would a small group would be taken by the teacher, and then they'd be left at tables, and they may move between tables to do different activities. Are we seeing first, second, and third graders doing the similar things to that?
1: Yeah, that's exactly the way that it would be in first grade. What I saw is by the time they reached second grade, those groups were done. Oh, the groups. The okay. group part of it, yeah, where there's still plenty of independent time to do activities, but it was more like, hey, the whole class is going to do this activity. Or they'd have stations still that students could sign up to go to different stations, but they weren't in groups one of the things that they're trying to leverage with this is this model called response to intervention which is basically where the teacher is trying to determine if there's any kind of a learning difficulty okay. so in the groups that's one of the things where when the first grade groups come around and the teacher's going to spend you know 20 minutes with your kids group they'll have 5 to 6 groups per class They're going to be trying to suss out if your child might have any issues reading and help them to overcome those. Well, once we get past first grade and we're not really doing groups anymore, then the teacher is pulling students individually to have them read to her a little bit, to talk with them, and so to see if they're having any reading problems. But your student's not really getting one-on-one time with the teacher on a regular basis. And I would say that once it's determined your student's doing all right, they're not getting repeated calls with a teacher. And I don't know what this is going to, again, depend on different district standards. Um, Did you
0: see in any of the images, did did we notice a change from, say, the kindergarten experience, which is like kind of round tables, large classroom sitting area, to more of the classic rows of seats? Did you see that change?
1: No, not in this grade. These are still kind of clusters of desks.
0: So in first grade, what in, about second and third? Yeah,
1: you? still, still through, still through middle elementary, where the 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 images I saw of all the classrooms were still all kind of bunched. They still do take different groups of desks and make them stations. Okay. Even if that's not your child's normal I desk. I remember
0: in first, second, and third grade, we were in the kind of the traditional rows. Of, of I CD.
1: remember it as well. I remember- yeah. I remember so maybe they've moved away. I'm sure. From I remember that. like second grade, maybe we were still in clusters, and then third we went in to Rose. Okay. So regardless, uh, the actual groups uh, don't continue past first grade from what I was able to to research.
0: So you're saying that 20 minutes of additional time that maybe the teacher would get for that kind of group activity, that teacher may be now apportioning that time to one-on-one or maybe one-on-two efforts at like their desk or in a quiet area in the room while the rest of the kids are kind of doing okay. an activity. I can't imagine that would be kind of a Almost demoralizing, uh, a little bit maybe to the the learner if they know they're being pulled out for additional help. It's right. almost like singling them out. I wonder if they do anything. And I don't know if you know if they do anything to kind of like remove them from that stigma or anything like that. Do you know?
1: Yeah, I, I I'm not really sure. I know that when you know they've started this model all the way back in Kinder, okay. not pulling individual kids, but having tiered reading groups. So back starting in kinder and then again in first grade, they're grouping kids by like reading abilities. Okay. So I think by the time they've gotten to second grade and they might be pulled individually, they've already done two years of being slotted into their appropriate reading yeah. group, which I think has already had, could have had some effect already, especially on children who are maybe late or slow readers.
0: Yeah, and I know that's one of the criticisms of homeschoolers, you know, if you get into the core homeschooling philosophy you know, isolating people, assigning grades is kind of that assigning somebody their intelligence. There's a little bit of a demoralizing aspect to that. And I know in the homeschooling community, you know, not all people, but um, I know a lot in the secular community, that's something that they kind of frown upon. So it is interesting to see them doing this, even at that such a young age that, you know, you could have that isolation or singling out that you're a little bit behind. Um, Naturally, they don't do that for the kids or maybe ahead. They do only do that for the kids who are behind. So, you know, if you have an early, a late reader, like you said, yeah, you know, that can be pretty, pretty sad, you know, to see that.
1: Yeah, I think that could be tough. Definitely but then again, you,
0: maybe they get the one on, one on one on help and the teacher helps them and lifts them up back to that level. So you can see it kind of go both ways.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's it, it definitely, especially when you're doing it in groups, right? It makes sense. The teacher wants to teach to the same group at the same level mm-hmm. because that makes it easier to to do. And that totally, I totally understand that. And then when it comes to one-on-one, yeah, she's giving those kids, she or he is giving those kids extra time that they need to help improve their skills. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, that concept, right? But I just think that this is, this is one place where we'll just draw an advantage in home education is that we're working directly with our student. Yeah. and We know how she's doing and, and there's no one to compare that to. Okay. She doesn't know if she's behind or ahead. She moves at the pace that's right for her. And, and that all works out for everyone.
0: And yeah, you as the mentor, you as the teacher have the ability to stop and review things, spend a week catching up on something that maybe they're lacking. For example, last week, I spent a lot of time catching up on a few math concepts that during my assessment period, I, I did an assessment in math and she was kind of, you know, she has struggled in a couple small areas. So I spent a whole week just reviewing those things with her before we moved on kind of like driving home that mastery based education but we have that ability to you know say okay I'm going to stop right now and we're going to focus on these things that you seem to be struggling on and then we'll move on from there and I don't think you have that freedom obviously in the public schools to do that
1: yeah you just have too many kids
0: so let's move on to writing so we have the reading writing and math as the core you know pillars of common core so what are they doing in the writing aspect
1: yeah so where where you had your Your time in reading, now you have about 30 to 45 minutes a day in writing, and that's writing activities. It could be writing a book and drawing a picture, something around writing. Usually, it's broken up into a couple of different writing segments.
0: So are they doing groups here as well, or is this maybe just something the teacher just says, okay, do this activity for 30 minutes and then come back?
1: I didn't see any group work for this. I saw it just as an individual, but I'm sure that there are some classrooms doing it as groups.
0: Okay. So we have the reading, we have the writing about 35, 40 minutes for writing. What about the math? What are they doing there?
1: So again, with the math, it's the same thing with the groups in first grade. And then after you get past first, it's, uh, it's going to be all done, you know, individually. So about 30 to 60 minutes as a whole class with the teacher teaching that concept to the entire class, and then 20 to 40 minutes of independent math work, and uh, 20 minutes with the math group with the teacher, a small group only in first grade.
0: And we and again, we see the same thing here that we saw with the reading. That yeah, the they're teacher, pulling kids. The groups go away, but the teacher now gets to do some more focused work on maybe some math. Kids are doing their math, maybe a little behind.
1: Right. And okay. one of the things that I'm seeing with this, and, and I don't know that this is quite the same in reading, but definitely in math, right? If you've got a kid who's behind, so the teacher is teaching the whole class this concept. If a kid's behind in math, they might not be understanding all of what's being taught. So there's some portion of that 30 to 60 minutes the teacher's teaching the entire class, which actually is not benefiting that student mm-hmm. to to the fullest extent. They're getting something out of it, I'm sure. But if they're behind, some of that is wasted until they, they catch back up to the level of the rest of the class.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so there's another risk of yeah the kid falling behind or or being left behind and having to struggle there
1: yeah i mean with with reading something like reading, even if a kid's struggling with reading, they're getting exposed to new words and things in in the group time that you're teaching, but with math, so much of it builds upon itself that I would think that if a child was lost, you know back a few lessons, hearing today's lesson, it may be partially a waste on that child
0: that's interesting, yeah, and especially since math very much is a cumulative learning experience that you know you need to have the tools before to to do the tools now
1: right exactly
0: reading not as much you may struggle with one letter or one type of word but you may be able to you know do another bunch of word you may struggle with a's but not with i's right but it's hard to say i can do math with single digit stuff and then doing math with double digit stuff you still need the same tools so if you're struggling one here you will, sh- will continue to struggle forward.
1: Right. I could definitely see a, a kid that 30 to 60 minutes the teacher spends being a bit of a waste on that kid until they're at the level they need to be. So I just thought that was interesting.
0: Okay. So in our last episode, we talked about the kindergarten and they had this special term called – well, they had a, they had a term called specials. And so what was that? And maybe just as a short refresher – And then what are they doing here in first, second, and third grade?
1: So specials is music, art, PE. It can be science in first and second grade. So it's just anything that's not reading, writing, and math, essentially. And they have about 40 minutes a day that they put in, well, anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes a day for specials.
0: Okay, so this is their way of of kind of pushing in sort of those higher level subjects. And we can imagine that those are a little bit more advanced than, say, in the kindergarten year. Obviously. Yeah,
1: it's going to be, I mean, it could just be PE, right? A couple, I think one of them I read, they had PE twice a week. So for thirty, forty, five to minutes in there, that was PE two okay. times a week.
0: So then like, you know, hypothetically, they have music, art, science or music, art and history. They're doing that once a week as opposed to Yeah, and to I didn't see
1: day. history. I only saw music, art, PE and science. That's so I thought that was a little bit interesting. History didn't actually appear.
0: I think we'll talk a little bit about the difference a little bit later about right. history and that kind of. Total global or total, you know, history and the world awareness that we we want with our kids that maybe they're not getting that here to the fullest effect. Right. Um. So what about science and social studies? Are we seeing them starting to do that?
1: Yeah. So science is part of the special social studies, not. Um, and then in, by the time they get to third, they actually get an hour of either science or social studies per day. And that's the first time that we see an additional subject added in on a daily basis. That's not like a, a dedicated subject, a dedicated subject, not a free for all pick like the specials could be. And a lot of teachers said that specials was an area that could get squeezed if they didn't get the work done that mm. was required. Specials is the area that, that lost out essentially, that makes sense. whereas yeah. This is the first time not so it's not until third grade that we get we get science and social studies. And it's just it's made me chuckle a little bit because we're already preparing to do basically all social studies and all the subjects wrapped together in this around the world study. We're getting ready to do with our daughter for kinder. And so it's just such a stark contrast. And I know we'll talk more about that, but yeah. I thought that was a little bit funny.
0: So let's talk about the total times. We want to kind of, you know, a rough summary of the total amount of time, say, for reading total math time, and then maybe just learning time in general? What are we looking at?
1: Yeah, so for reading, we're at anywhere from two to three hours a day. So that's time where the teacher is instructing in reading, time where the student is doing independent reading activities, doing just independent reading themselves. So that's your full reading time. And then for math, we're anywhere from an hour to two hours, roughly. And uh, that is also the the uh, instruction time from the teacher and also the independent activity time or you know, working on problems and things.
0: Okay, so, I mean, pretty substantial amount of
1: time. I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty substantial. to shake a stick at. I mean, Consi- is- yeah, considering that the total learning time of each day is anywhere from five hours to about six hours and 20 minutes, you got to think, you know, up to three hours is reading and up to two hours is math. And there's just very little time left.
0: Well, and, and I think this is maybe where... This is like the the kernel of where the, the fear for even you know the, the title of this episode am I doing enough when they look at when they look at what the schedule looks like and they start to see, you know, oh my gosh, they're doing five, six and a half hours of, of learning, my goodness, I'm not doing that and uh, am I doing enough right And that's that first question. right. So if I start at eight o'clock, am I finishing my day at 230? Heck no. That's like, I couldn't imagine doing six hours with my, my kids. Yeah,
1: it's a lot. You know what? I was a little surprised about it. And Kinder didn't have as much of this, but the older that you go, the more time during the school day is wasted, quote unquote, uh, in morning announcements and yeah, talk um, about
0: a little bit about this morning thing there's there's
1: just a, there's a bunch of get in in the morning get ready mm-hmm. maybe there's you know there's there's initial wind down time some of the classrooms like school starts at 8 30 but the late bell isn't until 8 so that's 25 minutes where there's talking and stuff but that's not actually learning time but your kids got to be there mm-hmm. you got to be in school and then there's gonna they're gonna play the the news and morning announcements which takes you know could take 15 minutes. The teacher's going to talk about what we're going to learn today.
0: Yeah.
1: I just was kind of surprised about the amount of setup time before we actually got down to the learning. And the older that they got, the more time there was in that. It's almost like like pre-homeroom, I guess. Yeah, I remember
0: homeroom even all the way up through high school.
1: Yeah, yeah something kind of like that where it's not actually structured time, but there's a lot of information being passed along for the school and for events and just, just different stuff. So I thought that was interesting. So I think that this... This breakdown, when you say two to three hours of reading, you know, one to two hours of math, I think that can be kind of, if you look at those higher ends, okay, so three hours reading, two hours math, that can be kind of scary to, to people, which is one of the things that's like, well, are, are we doing three hours of reading a day? Three hours of, you know, and I know not all of it's reading instruction, but let's say two hours of it was reading instruction. That's a, that's a lot of time. <laughs> that is a lot of time. I mean, it is. which, so the next question that I asked as I was researching for this episode is, okay, that's like overall class time. That's one teacher teaching to a whole group of students. What does it mean for one-on-one? So I, I took a look at our curriculums.
0: Yeah. So you 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 pulled out a couple of curriculums for different years, but they're a good example of kind of like, again, it's a good snapshot of what it looks like. So the first one let's talk about is because reading is so important in the Common Core. Let's start with reading. What does it look like? Which one did you look at? And what is that You know, play out to a homeschooling family.
1: Yeah. So I looked at all about reading and uh, I looked at a couple of different levels that were right in this, right in this age range. And they say that you should be doing reading lessons for 20 minutes per day. There's 55 lessons and lessons take more than a day to complete. They take, some of them can take under a week, some of them are over a week, but for, for their program, if you spend 20 minutes a day, the entire school year, you will finish their program. And
0: this is five days, 180 days a year.
1: Yeah. 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 Roughly 180 days a year. Right. So if you, if you spend 20 minutes a day doing that and then they recommend 20 minutes a day of reading aloud to your child in general, which if you listen to our last podcast, we got, we have way more than that, but that's what they recommend. So you're talking about 40 minutes a day max for your reading to get through all of it.
0: So that's instruction and one-on-one time, right? One, one-on-one reading time. With yeah.
1: Your... So if you, if you look at just the, uh, just the instruction time of it that's 20 minutes a day compared to 40 to 80 minutes in the classroom of instruction time
0: yeah and again it's the quality there right cuz that's one on one that's focused it's completely designed to the learner you know you're doing exactly the way they like to to learn it the what you know what activities work best for them you mm-hmm. know that as opposed to the teacher who's spending you know all this time teaching to 30 kids trying to do a miracle work and teach yeah, yeah. Th- Their the job's like almost
1: impossible. I mean, yeah. I have so much respect for them. It would be so much harder. We can look, sit down right with our daughter and see if she's getting something or not getting her. do we need to go back over it? There's no wasted breath, right? Because a, a teacher's teaching to a whole bunch of class, the, the class, let's say 80% of the class gets gets part of it and 20% doesn't. Maybe the first half they get and the second half the other kids get. There's going to be all different levels of understanding going around throughout the classroom, all different levels of understanding and attention right to the teacher. It's the other thing we get is her undivided attention, right? You're not just one of a sea of crowd. You can't just zone out because I'm looking right at you and I know you're not doing it. So that's, that's part of it. So if you talk about 20 minutes a day to accomplish what they would in public school in 40 to 80 minutes a day, And then when you go back and look at total time of instruction and reading, 40 minutes a day as opposed to one to two hours a day. So if you just add it all together, we're doing in 40 minutes what they're taking, you know, could be one to two hours to do.
0: That's amazing. And, you know, keep that in the back of your minds as you're listening to this that you now have extra time to do something right. else. And we'll talk a little bit about what that might be in a few minutes here. But the next one is right start math. You chose the right start math one, which is the first grade. So what did they have? What did it, what does it look like? And what does the time breakdown look like?
1: Yeah. So they've got 140 lessons and you're meant to finish one lesson a day with right start. And they recommend that you do 30 minutes a day. 30 minutes a day is sufficient to complete that lesson. So at 140, lessons, that's 40 days less than your 180 day. For us in Washington, we have a 180 day minimum school year Mm -hmm. for homeschool. So we're kind of using that as our benchmark of what a full school year would be. So that would mean we would make it with an extra 40 days to spare on only 30 minutes a day of instruction. Now compare that to between 30 and 80 minutes in the classroom, depending on the year.
0: I mean, that's a huge saving in time. Now that's the reading and math Obviously, those are very important things. Most of us as homeschoolers, even though we're not really f- fans of Common Core, most of us, we still do have kind of a Common Core thing where we do focus on reading. We focus on math. We do
1: have a specific curriculums for those. And and that's very purposeful, right? We've yeah. talked about this before with things like Torchlight or Build Your Library or Blossom and Root, where you're expected to have a math and reading curriculum separately because you're tailoring that to where your student is at.
0: Exactly. So... Right now, if you compare what we just discussed to what the public school is doing, the only thing left are these specials, mm-hmm. and then in the third grade, you have this advantage you know, of having, say, a, a dedicated science or a social studies class. Right Now, here's where the big difference is. At first, second, and third grade, you're going to have your own curriculum. For example, we're going to be talking about Torchlight 2, level 2. This is a dedicated curriculum that's going to be covering an enormous amount of topics that Would never be covered in the first, second, and third grade years. Yeah. So, what is that? What are we looking at? And what is that breakdown?
1: So, just taking a quick look at it, and I had to make some estimates about timing uh, because they don't give that directly on their website. But, based on our knowledge of Torchlight, I put some things together. So, it looks like you get about 50 minutes a day of literature and poetry. So, that's one on one reading with your child, having that. This is just the reading time. I'm not including discussion time that might come out of it, which is always an important part.
0: And, and we know that Torchlight is very book heavy, and there's some of the other curriculums that are not as heavy on the books that's as true. Torchlight. So we do know that maybe that number might be a little inflated, maybe so, but that's okay. And that is reading books, reading poetry, doing all that stuff on top of the reading curriculum that we're doing, or right. in conjunction with the reading curriculum. Like for example, all about reading require or asks you to do about twenty or thirty minutes of reading. You know, if you're doing the torchlight curriculum, you're yeah. gonna be getting that just absolutely. by default. So you're kind of you're kind of having these two bubbles kind of crossing each other that's and getting that right. thing. But what's what's unique about that that literature for say, you know, the first grade, second grade, and third grade is there's an overarching theme to that year for torchlight.
1: Absolutely. And, and so- that's something
0: that's completely devoid as far as far as we can see in the public education system. So maybe talk about like what kindergarten, what first grade and second grade are doing for say torchlight.
1: Right, torchlight and build your library are in sync for the most part with what they cover for these years. I'm going to just overall scope of like the historical part of it, let's say. So for kinder, right, they both do global studies where they go to every country. So every week is a new country or region and they talk all about it. And so all the books that you read will be that region and the activities that you'll do and the art you'll do, it'll all be themed, right? So, and then first grade is ancient history. So we're going to be talking about ancient egypt and greece and rome and you know we'll be talking about mesopotamia all these different areas right we're we'll talking about ancient civilizations and then when you get into second grade it's going to be medieval it's the whole medieval world that's awesome and then third grade is going to be early modern fourth grade modern it goes on right so there is a historic Past kinder, there's a historical theme to the entire year for these curriculums. So everything you're going to do, all your literature, your poetry, and your other books, as much as possible, these curriculums are trying to tie them all together about what you're studying. The art's going to, you know, they're going to try to tie it in as much as they can. And I didn't see any kind of cohesiveness to that in the public environment. I think if I were a teacher, that would be very hard to do to make sure that everything you know, all wrapped together like that. But that's the way that these are set up.
0: And that social studies and that history element is wrapped in with the literature. But we're also seeing a specific about 20 minutes a day-ish.
1: About 20 minutes that. a day on that social studies history. Now, again, Torchlight and and Build Your Library and these other curriculums, the way that they work is they recommend this minimum quantity of books. And then there's a whole list of extensions. I'm not including all the time that we would go down rabbit holes. We do this now. Right? Yeah. You, you read something with her in Blossom and Root, the next we thing about I know, in the, in the last podcast, yeah. we're watching videos about it, and we're doing more art projects about it, and there's all kinds of things that are stemming out of it. I'm not including any of that. This is the bare bones of just what the curriculum, if we just followed it to the letter and did exactly what they said, about 20 minutes a day.
0: So the theme is there, but also the, the music and the science. Right. That's so just...
1: 20 minutes a day of music, tw- about 25 minutes a day of science, and if you're if you're a torchlight um, user, you'll know that you don't do these things every day, so what I did was I added up what you did over the whole week and then I just divided by five so that we could just kind of talk about minutes per day, even yeah. though you'll have one day where you might spend an hour on science and then the next two days you don't do any science, right So right. I just I just did a weekly average to come up with a day a daily average
0: okay, and then obviously if if you're keeping track at home with the common Core that's reading math and the one in between there's writing we left that out it's its own dedicated thing in the curriculum for torchlight how many how much how long are they spending writing
1: and it was about 15 to 20 minutes a day it looks like at a minimum so and that's that's one of the things too. Right. if your child's enjoying it if your child's making up a story or whatever we can say oh yeah write a few more pages i mean we don't have we don't have any restrictions we don't have to say and this was one of the things i really want to point this out all of the different teachers' websites I looked at where they gave all the information about their day in the public school, it was like military scheduling. It was like 10 minutes for this, 5 minutes for handwriting, 15 minutes for this, then we switched groups, but 10 minutes for this. I mean, it is like precision.
0: Well, it's nice to see that laid out, but like we all know... In practice, that's it's probably more chaotic than that, right? I'm sure that it probably is, but they have a lot of things to cover, right? As you said, that like the specials will get squeezed maybe they take too long for this thing, or Maybe the class is a little rowdy here. You know, the teacher had to calm everybody down and lost time. Well, that cuts out on this thing, so she chucks it, right? What I love, and maybe piggybacking on what you said there, and I think it's one of the more important aspects of homeschooling, is that there is no schedule. So if your learner is like locked in walls up, fort closed, you can't get in, and they're just locked on a subject, there is no way that you can ever convince me to tell them to stop doing what they're doing because I want her to do as deep of a dive right. as much as she wants on that subject because in that moment, they've hit the you know quintessential zone and you want to enable that zone period as long as possible. So if right. she's sitting there just like drawing and she's not acknowledging that the world exists and all she's doing is focused on that little piece of paper and, and and locked in there's no way I'm going to take them away from that that's right and that that includes any subject so whether she's looking at a book about you know ancient egypt or she's doing some math or she's playing a game or she's doing some inventive play with some you know pretending to be a, a pharaoh or something like that There's no way I'm going to stop that.
1: Right. That's such quality time. And so while we say here, oh, there's a minimum of 15 to 20 minutes a day of writing, that could turn into 30 minutes easily. And I know with our kid, it probably would. When she's able to write better and and she loves stories, I know she's going to write her own stories. And we're going to just say... That's fine. You can keep going. There's no need to switch. We don't have to switch stations. There's not a schedule to keep. I think that's a very valuable thing. So at a minimum, like 15 15 to 20 minutes a day. So if we did the minimum of torchlight, that's about two hours and 10 minutes a day. So if you add on the reading and the math, three hours a day.
0: So we're looking at basically 50% of a a public school day. Right. But what you're saving there is all the one-on-one time. Everything is one-on-one. You're not having to teach to 25 kids. Right, quality so over quantity. So that's a time saving. So now that's, you know, again, where a parent would say, am I doing enough?
1: Yeah, and I would answer absolutely. And not only are you doing enough, but you now have time for your child to pursue other passions that they might have. Maybe they're super into music or art or dance or something else, games, whatever it is, Right definitely go back and listen to our first episode. If you haven't heard, we t- we took a look at our own child and how many ways that she learned throughout the day that we did not plan and just how she filled up that day. In the end, she'd done more time than she would have done at public school with all the other things that interested her. And when your child's really interested in something, they learn so much more than if you're trying to ram you know, facts and figures down their throat. So I think that's just, it's super valuable. So we're able to get done at a minimum three hours a day versus five to six hours a day in a public school.
0: And, and again, that's that's the quality versus quantity argument, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're doing quality stuff, freeing up more time to do more quality stuff. Absolutely. And, and that's the advantage. And that's, in some respects, that's the cost we pay, right? We, we have somebody home, they're not out there work, making money. So it does cost the family to homeschool but that is the the cost we're willing to pay to have that experience for our kid is that we want the quality versus the quantity
1: but if you're only if you're out there and you're having to work from home so yeah. you have a kid that you're trying to homeschool at the same time and you're only able to give your your child you know two and a half hours a day or or, or whatever a little
0: bit in the morning a little bit during the day and a little bit right in the
1: and you're yeah. worried that i'm not giving them a full school day's worth of my time that's okay you're doing okay. Yeah. And, and I guess I just want to encourage everyone to really look at this is the time that a public school would take with your child. And almost none of it, besides if your child is running behind at something, almost none of it is one-on-one time. And all your child gets with you is nothing but one-on-one time. And so maybe you have several children and you're teaching multiple kids. Even your group of three-on-one time, yeah. I would argue, is still much more valuable than a group with a teacher because even those 3 children that you're teaching, you know them so well. You know exactly where they're at with something. You don't need to try to remember. I mean, could you imagine having 30 children's different uh, academic aptitudes and, and and skills and and struggles in your brain? I mean, sure they have notes and stuff, but I don't know that I could remember all 30 and exactly where they're at, we know right now exactly where our daughter's at with everything. Mm-hmm. right? Because you're just so intimately familiar. So for all the parents that can't spend six hours a day, you're doing fine and definitely listen to the first episode and listen to all the ways that your child might be learning even when you're not planning that they're learning. Yeah. And just take a deep breath, take a step back. The other thing I would say is we're talking about you know, needing to do three hours a day to to cover all the bases and definitely look at your own state's learning standards so you know where you got to be at by the end of the year. But that's a standard school year. We're talking about, you know, five days a week for the 10 month school year, whatever. We're not talking about if you decide to go through the summer, if you do some work on your weekends, you have that ability. So if you can only give your kid an hour and a half a day or something, two hours a day, you can find ways to make up that time and And still, and still make your goals,
0: yeah and, that, and that's that's a lot of what we do. and if you know the last episode we talked a little bit about how we utilize the weekends, utilize the entire summer. We haven't stopped, we never right. stopped through the summer. It's just nonstop. They don't know any better, right? Yeah, the kids will never know. They don't expect you know. And, hey, listen, they're not coming back from school, and I'm sending out, sending them out to shuck some wheat out there or something like that on the farm. Yeah, that doesn't exist anymore. So right, you know, if I spend two two hours a day with my kid in the summer, she's not missing out. You know, I mean, well, and it's fun besides for her, the fact that there's a pandemic. Schooling. She's not going to be missing out. You know, spending you know eight to eight to ten doing a little bit of homeschooling mm-hmm. all year round. And then going out and playing and having a normal summer day off you know, with all the other kids. With all the
1: other kids. Absolutely. It's funny. you know, Our kids are such early risers. We had our school done with our daughter before the other kids even got outside to play. Yeah, right. Which was just... Or before
0: the fog cleared.
1: You know? <laughs> yeah. Western Washington. <laughs> Western before Washington, the fog yeah. cleared. I think it's an important point to make that make it fit around your time schedule because that's what homeschooling is ultimately and the other thing I would say is, you know, look at your learning standards. I think that was episode 5. Go back and listen to our podcast about that. But know your learning standards. By the end of the year, my child needs to be here if we're going to keep up with public school, especially if you want to re-enter the public school system. Know that point. Figure out where that point aligns with the curriculum that you have for reading and math because those are the most important things and and writing, of course. So and then make some milestones for yourself, right? So we talk about SMART goals, which is, you know, measurable, measurable goals and, and time-bound goals. So take take that mark, hey, no, okay, well, if I need to have this much done by the end of the year, then that means that, you know, after three months, I should be at lesson such and such. Mm-hmm. And then after six months, I should be at lesson such and such. And you know, put some sticky tabs in your curriculum. And have some goals for yourself. And that way you can take the pressure off and stop worrying that you're not covering enough. And just know, hey, when I hit the flag, if I'm on my honor ahead of my date, we're doing just fine. Mm-hmm. And if just we're fine. not, maybe I'll take a couple of weekends and get us caught up a little bit until we're back on track. Right? And just take the pressure off of everybody's worried, I think, about counting like minute for minute. Just everyone needs to take that pressure off and worry about yeah, the relax. actual learning that's happening yeah. because the quality of the learning is so high for those folks who have public school background and this is their first time homeschooling you're going to just be very surprised at at the quality that your that your children are getting and you don't have to worry so much about every minute and and you know count for count
0: it's amazing that people will uh, maybe this might be a little controversial but they're trying to micromanage what they're doing in their homeschool environment. And I guarantee you that that teacher who's in that classroom is not micromanaging their 180 days with every single student to that same granularity. I, mean, they're I don't just know trying if to, there
1: are. They're, they're probably pretty stressed out. <laughs> well, yeah,
0: they're just trying to get through their curriculum. They're hoping that their kids do well in the testing. And they're trying to get everybody up. But they're not worried that, did Johnny get 180 days and 22 minutes of... Of math every day, this or and that. You don't need to keep yourself to an unreasonable standard that even the public school is not accounting. They're not doing bean counting to that level with your kid if you're in the public school. They're just trying to hit milestones, they're trying to hit certain topics, and they're trying to achieve mastery of certain subjects. And that's kind of the mindset you want to put yourself around. You know, I know we did a lot of bean counting here with minutes and this, minutes versus this. But, really, like what you said, it's all about the goals at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. How are you getting to your goals? What are you doing to achieve those? and understanding that if you can do that in three hours, you're not a bad human being. you're being efficient. You don't need to spend six hours to achieve Absolutely the same not. goals that's the six hours is more of a nature of the fact that there's a teacher is you know one on twenty five It's like the Battle of Thermopylae here, <laughs> you know yeah, getting pretty nerdy here, but you know, it's it's a little bit, you have an easier road to hoe in some respects because you yeah. only have one or two or three kids. You know, you focus on the goals, know the standards, understanding what you need to accomplish by the end of the year and focus on that as opposed to doing some weird abacus bean counting on how many minutes a day am I, am I spending on these things. You're really just trying to do mastery of subjects and goals. Yeah, and that's and, really what you need to focus on.
1: And we're, not, we're definitely not trying to, by providing numbers for you, we're not trying to get you to count, no. definitely. And really, for us as engineers, knowledge is, you know, data is power. So we like data. We're, we're, we're data nerds. So that's why it makes me feel good just to, to see it. But one of the things that I continually see most often from very seasoned homeschool parents, when giving advice to new homeschooling parents, is, "Do not try to recreate school at home." And I think that's that's what this whole that's what this whole episode is about. Yeah, this right? Whole two episodes are about. Yeah. That's right. You don't need to recreate school at home. You're doing your own thing. Your own thing is wonderful. And I think just looking at the standards that these curriculums have for the year really shows you the difference in what they expect to get the same amount of output as the school expects. So, you know, follow your curriculum, trust your curriculum. You know, if you're concerned about it at all, and definitely if you're re-entering the public school system, check your, your learning standards. But, but don't try to create school at home. It's, it's really a recipe for stress on your part and stress for your student. And this should be fun for everybody.
0: I absolutely agree. I think this was a great two, two, 2 part episode that answers a very big question out there that a lot of people are afraid of. I'm so happy that you you spent the time to do this research and find the. And I hope give it's a, helpful. Give it a good definitive answer on you know there are differences. Sometimes it does feel like we're comparing two different fruits. We really um, are, but both fruit you know we're both going towards the same goals, which is hitting these standards, making sure your kid uh, meets these standards.
1: And loves learning. Yes. Right? I mean, the biggest goal of all, yeah, sure, I want her to read and I want her to write and I want her to be able to do math efficiently and and correctly, but I also don't want to kill my kid's love of of learning. Exactly. And and that's one of the things through all of this, which is one of the other great things about the reading that we do, we get to pick books that we know our child's really interested in. Yeah. We get to make the art exciting and and the science something that she would be into and, and all of those things so that throughout this, the most important thing is that she loves learning because if she loves learning, even if she's a little bit behind in reading, she's going to catch up. She's going to learn to read when the time is right for her and she's going to do great with it. Not that we're not going to keep you know encouraging and helping her towards her goals, but most importantly is that we foster the love of learning in our kids And we're able to do that even if we're only able to give a few hours a day.
0: So let's get into a happy subject. What we're into this week. So Ariel, at the time of this recording, it's October. Yeah. The trees are starting to turn.
1: Hmm.
0: We're in fog season here in Washington. (laughs) There's things showing up in my house that you purchased from a store. What are these? Spooky things. Spooky things. What are these spooky things and what can we maybe get people to start working on here in the holiday season.
1: So recently took a trip to Michael's.
0: (gasps) Michael's. What is this fantasy place that you talk of?
1: Yes. Yes. Michael's the craft store. Thank you, Don, for the suggestion. Uh, And one of the things is that they come out with a whole line of seasonal kids craft kits. And I'm sure that your local craft store will have something similar, but, right now we're in
0: may have it as well yeah
1: yeah i'm sure they do right now we're in halloween season by the time this comes out you'll probably will be at the end of halloween season getting towards thanksgiving but they have thanksgiving sections and christmas sections and if you go check back often you'll find that they go on sale pretty pretty Mm -hmm. uh immediately and i think we had we bought these uh before the month of october even started they were already half off so you'll find some great deals. But what I love is that they are kids' crafts of all different ability levels. Mm-hmm. They are complete. They are, in a lot of cases, not very messy, which I super appreciate.
0: Well, and then it's not just like one thing. A lot of times, like the one pack you had, it was three different things four times. It right. Like it 12. made like
1: four little ornaments. They have these terrific foam, foam crafts. Yeah. So, so fo- specifically these foam we're talking kits are great. are great. Yeah, we're talking about these foam kits. Well, yeah, there's all different ones, but the, the foam kits are great. So they're pieces of colored foam. And they're peel and stick on the back, and they've got a picture that you're trying to make, and the kid just peels them off, sticks them together. It's zero mess. My daughter, who's not yet five, can do it by herself, which I love. In fact, she does it while we read Harry Potter, so that's really great. Um, They're terrific. They're cheap. They're all included. Mm -hmm. They have other ones, which um, they have, like, uh, puzzles, and you can paint the puzzle, and then it's a wooden puzzle, and then take it apart. Uh, that one was a little bit messier, but they have ones that are marker-based. They have others that uh, similarly involve a little bit of white glue. What I really love about them, none of the crafts are super complicated. Uh, our kid at, at this age can do almost all the crafts, you know, with minimal do they, help.
0: Do they have instructions?
1: Yeah, they have instructions, but a lot of it's just a picture. Yeah. I mean, basically, it's just a picture. So and it's good. like... It's almost, like,
0: it's almost like the Legos are doing uh, Easy Puzzle. They're looking at the picture, trying to recreate yeah, the picture. Like
1: They don't have to read the instructions. With those ornaments, the foam ones, she put together like a witch, a skeleton, and a Frankenstein, I think. She just looked at the picture and copied it, which is great. They're foam stick-ons. I appreciate that they're complete. They're easy enough for younger children to do, and they're very affordable. I think we were able to get that kit with the three uh, ornament things, and they made... Four of each, so 12 total. It was $4. Oh, my okay. God. We got the thing with the puzzles. I think it was $3. She got a, a few others. She got one where you you put some decoration on a pumpkin. I think it was like 2 bucks. They have these little uh, iron-on beads. So you might not recognize what I'm talking about. They're kind of these little plastic... They look like bits of tubing that were cut and they're in all different colors and you make a pattern with them and then you put an iron over them and they fuse together and they make a a certain picture like a cat or a jack-o'-lantern or something. And, it's credible for dexterity cuz these pieces are very small but mm-hmm. she can do them at her age it was like i don't know a dollar 70 or something the prices were so good and i love giving her crafts that she can do mostly on her own when i have to do some work and you know you're busy with the baby i can say hey let's pull out one of these crafts she can sit down I have to help her in a couple of places, but it's basically a hands-off. She's working on dexterity. She's getting to, to you know work with her arts and crafts skills. The craft sets are complete. I don't need to buy anything to go with them. I just really appreciate how well thought out they were and how affordable they were. So that would be our note for today. Get thee to Michael's or similar craft store and check out the kids craft kits that are uh, just seasonal because they're really terrific and You don't have your wallet on you, do you? No. I have a Costco card to keep. Is that a gift card? 25 bucks. Rolling in cash. I'll
0: blow that on one package of mayonnaise. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Give me some mayonnaise. Imagine that tw- much mayonnaise. 22
0: pounds of mayonnaise. We're going to be having ranch dressing. We're going to be swimming <laughs> in it. Homemade.
1: Uh. <laughs>